0: Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. You can take your seat. I love that last song. It's just a great reminder as we've wound up the Christmas season as we kind of look forward to the next year that uh, we have Emmanuel in our life, right? God who's with us at all times in every situation. And so as you look back on 2019 and whether that was a good year or or, or a tumultuous one, every step of the way, our Savior was with us. Um, In the midst of those hard nights, he was with us in those times of great celebration um, he was with us in the drudgery of everyday life um, our God is with us I hope that you were encouraged this morning um, through the just our worship time there was that the, the first song we sung the the refrain um, just echoed and echoed and echoed again throughout our entire worship service for me in my heart when it says the Lord has done great things and this week as you're kind of writing out your uh, Um, end-of-the-year plans, you know, and you think about next year, just remember this, the Lord continues to do great and mighty things in our life. And sometimes He just catches us off guard um, by His graciousness in our lives, right? And so I hope you you took some great comfort today as we sung these songs of the faith. And honestly, that's what songs are supposed to be for, right? They're supposed to build us up in our faith as well as just to Proclaim what a great and mighty God um, that He is. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter one, Matthew one. And today we're going to kind of look at uh, the two chapters, Matthew one and Matthew two. So uh, don't put out your don't take it out and put it up. The first uh, time we read a verse, we got a lot of verses to read through um, this morning. Um, I said this several weeks ago when I last spoke. Um, I really do appreciate uh, this series on the life of Joseph, or Joseph's perspective regarding Christmas. Um, I didn't really think much about Joseph. Maybe mo- most of you were kind of like me; we just didn't really give Joseph much thought. Um, he's kind of he's kind of over, uh, overlooked a lot, right? He's kind of lives in the shadows uh, of the Christmas story. But the more that we kind of sat and listened um, to the uh, to those who spoke and. Um, We've kind of turned the pages of Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2. I mean, a a great character has kind of leapt out from these pages, right? Uh, Instead of just living in the shadows, I I really believe that he should be in the spotlight with Mary regarding um, the Christmas story. Without Joseph, um, the Christmas story could not have taken place. And and we see that already through what we've spoken of from from the pulpit and what we're going to look at today. There are many times that the Christmas story was in peril. And if Joseph didn't do what Joseph had to do, um, the Christmas story may have turned out a lot differently than we read it today. Um, While we don't know much about Joseph, there's a few glimpses in the scripture that gives us an idea of the type of man that he was. We know from from Luke's account, as well as Matthew's account, that he was a God-fearer. When Jesus was born, he did what every God-fearing Jew would do at that that day and age, is he took Jesus and he presented him uh, to the temple. And then Luke's account says that for the next 12 years, he led his little small family uh, back to the temple for the yearly gathering of, of Passover celebration. So there was this fear and awe of God in Joseph's life. We know that he was a carpenter. In Matthew chapter 13, uh, when Jesus goes back into Nazareth um, at the beginning of his ministry, um, the people in the town said, is this not uh, the carpenter's son? And so for the most part, he was known in that small town um, as, a, as a man that worked with his hands. We know that through scripture, when Jesus came on the scene and of his public ministry and at the age of 30, Joseph was, was not around. He's not spoken of and more than likely he had uh, passed away. But there's something about this man that leaps out on the pages of Matthew chapter one. And that is this man was a man of deep character and deep obedience. If there's a way to wrap up this series on Joseph, I I really want to kind of look at these two characteristics of his life, his his great obedience and his great um, character. You see, Character pleased God during biblical days, and character still pleases God today. I believe that the character of and Joseph's life pleased God so much that He raised him up, and I believe that He still looks for people that He can mightily use today—men and women of great character. If you are taking notes, I'd love for you, to write this down: Character matters to God. Character. Matters to God. Yes, Joseph. We talked about this several weeks back when I last spoke. Yes, Joseph was of the royal lineage of the House of David, and and the Savior had to come through the royal lineage of David. Yes, we know that for it to be true. And God could have raised anyone up in, in that lineage of David um, to carry that mantle for the Savior. But what, Jesus, what what God was looking for was also a man of great character. There is no way that God would have given the greatest gift that He ever has given mankind and placed it in the hands of two individuals that lacked character or had marginal character. God found two, two, two teenagers that had remarkable character, and in His hands, He placed this God child for them to raise, for them to to cultivate, for them to kind of shape his his worldview as a baby. And he found some incredible parents in Mary and in Joseph. The first description that we're given of Joseph is found in Matthew chapter one and verse 19. And and this is what it says uh, concerning his character. It says, and Joseph, her husband, meaning Mary, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. As a righteous man, he was known to be a man of sound character. So upright in character was Joseph that in the moment uh, of the first hint of there might be a crisis, what did he do? He didn't run from the situation, but he ran into the situation and made the very best of the situation. He put Mary's circumstances above his own. He, he went and he he did as the angels instructed him to do. He went and he married her. And he took upon himself in that moment the ability to weather the storm of scandal that was soon to follow. Instead of running away from that which could ruin his reputation, he stands strong and he says, I'm just going to do my very best to make the situation as right as possible. There's a lot of things that took place in this moment when when God called Joseph, that was completely out of his hands. He had to be reactionary, right? Everything, every time we see Joseph in this Christmas story, he's reacting to a message that God has delivered to him. And every single time, he kind of stands to the call, right? He doesn't slink away. He doesn't shirk his responsibilities. He takes on for himself what God would want in a man of outstanding character. And this is what character looks like. Character good character is this someone who is concerned for the welfare of others. And someone who does what is right, even when things don't go your way. That's the that's the proof of sound character. And in Joseph we find that that man in the way that he handles Mary and the way that he handles this this announcement that she was 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 a was a virgin, but yet carrying a baby from God. And every generation, we need men and women of great character, men and women who place other people's first and their own needs last, men and women who will go the extra mile and and do what is right, men and women who are who are not only a sound character, and a sound character they they love people with a generous heart. They are. They're people who show kindness and concern for other people's needs. Men and women who, who choose to do what is right even when in their own situation they gain personal loss or maybe they're even misunderstood for doing what is right. Every generation these people who will stand in moral light instead of straddling the line of, of what I would call moral decadence. And where do we find people of great character. I hope that it can be said of us in and, and our generation, I hope that it can be said of us in this very room, that we who are followers of Jesus desire to be men and women of great character. Some say that we're going through some of the most tremendous, tumultuous times that we have faced as a society since the 1960s. And I think, in many regards, they have to be true. There are a lot of things that divide us, especially when it comes to politics. Some of us, um, we have social um, issues that we stand on that kind of divide us as well. Um, there are times in our, in our, in our society today that um, right and wrong, those lines seem to be so blurred that, that what is right is often um, condemned and, and what is wrong biblically is often elevated to this glorious uh, 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 category or level. Right. And so how do we as as Christians navigate those treacherous waters that the society has dictated for us? What do we do in the midst of a of a society in which those lines are increasingly blurred? Well, well, this is how we navigate it. We navigated by by being men and women of great and noble character. And where do we get this great and noble character? Is, it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it, are we just found with it? No, it's something that is developed within us it, it literally means that when we walk with God as we know our scripture as we believe the scripture to be the very word of God and to be the very guide from from God to our lives on how we ought to live our lives when we live in such a way as we walk out our faith according to biblical guidelines then we naturally become men and women of character it's when we, we cultivate a desire within our hearts to be men and women who do what is right according, not into our own eyes, not into our own understanding, but what is right according to God's word. And when we live that way, we begin to see how God uses great men and women of character. You see, when we desire to, have, to be men and women of character, we kind of we pass that on to others that are around us. What would it be like if we were great men and women of character and we take those same values, those same biblical values, and we brought them into our family life? That we'd be willing to pass them on to onto our, our children, to teach them the, what godly virtues are all about, that we model biblical character in our home. That we would be men and women who model biblical character. In, in our workplace, that we would lead in our workplace by example. No matter what title or position you may hold in your in your business, in your company, in your organization, that you lead by example. We need to be model model uh, model biblical character in our relationships, especially. And I think this is where. Um, we can see a tremendous benefit for the kingdom of God is when we model this great godly character and the generosity of our heart, it spills out in our relationships. That we put those that, that we know, those that we engage with on a daily basis, we put their, them and their needs ahead of our own needs that, that we, we don't spare our love for people. We don't spare our generosity towards people. We don't, we don't spare our time for people, right? And in that moment, God can do an, a, an increasingly great work in our witness and our testimony for him if we bring that, that godly character into our relationships. You see, for God, character matters. And I believe that God is at work today in our generation. I believe that God is at work greatly in our society. I believe God is at work greatly in the world around us, right? Outside of the United States, all around the world, God is at work. And and how's he doing it? He is doing it sometimes in mysterious ways. Sometimes he just shows up and does does miracles on his own. But, But more importantly, what he does usually is that he raises up men and women to accomplish great things for him. And who does he? Who does he choose? He chooses men and women whose hearts are fully engaged to his. We see this in Second Chronicles chapter sixteen, verse nine, where the Bible says, "For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart." Is completely his. What does he mean by that? He means that those men and women whose hearts are his, men and women who follow after him, men and women who, who yearn for him to show up in their life, right? 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Samuel was, on, was given an important task. He was given the important task of finding the first king over Israel. And what was God's instruction to Samuel in, in, in this passage? This is what the Lord said. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, right? So where we judge on the outward appearance of people, God said that means nothing to me. Beauty means nothing to me. Height means nothing to me. Um, academics mean nothing to me. Um, uh, how smart you are means nothing to me. Everything comes down to this one thing. Is that person's heart for me? When you look at your own life, is your heart for God? Um, do you long for God to, to move in your life through through godly character? Um, do you long for God to move in your home through, through godly character? Do you long for your children to, to emulate godly character? Right? There's something about Joseph that kind of stands out to me, and I'm not sure if you, you notice this or not, but there's, never, there's not one instance where Joseph speaks in the Christmas story. He's not giving any lines whatsoever, right? He has a few lines in Christmas pageants, but... In the scripture, he actually says nothing. All the action that's taken place is God's coming to him in these dreams and he he's responding uh, to, to God. What what, what just kind of screams at us from this passage out of Matthew chapter one and chapter two is that he is this man of tremendous character. What makes him so so awesome in my eyes is that he's a guy who just kind of quietly goes about life. But he does so, it seems, with a, with a heart for God and a heart to do what is right in his own abilities. Um, I think uh, there's some people that can, and maybe you have this personality. I don't have this personality. I'm a, I'm, I've always said I'm a, I'm a classic introvert, right? Um, I could walk into a room and people may not even notice me. I'm like a, a wallflower. But there are certain people that I know, and I'm sure you know as well, and I'm sure there's some in this room. You walk into the room, and you own the room. You show up, and it's like this glory that just shines out, of not was like, this light just appears out of nowhere, right? You know how to, to work a room by your personality. And some people are just gifted with that, right? But what would it look like if you would just dominate a situation if you would dominate um, people's lives, not by your personality, but by what you bring to the table in regards to character, what could God do um, to not only shape your life, but to shape other people's lives through your character? What could God do by raising you up as a man or woman of great character to speak into the chaos of our society? What could God do um, with a godly man of, of character and a godly woman of character that can speak into the great chaos that sometimes family life brings, right? I mean, I, I was at home for Christmas in Kansas City. And let me tell you something. Um, what I left behind last year at Christmas time, it was still there this, this, this Christmas time. It was tremendous chaos, to say, to say, to put it lightly. It was controlled chaos, but it was chaos nonetheless. And the chaos came through broken relationships, and, and broken people. And so over and over again, God places us in these situations where we get to shine godly character in the midst of places that are just broken and sometimes chaotic, right? But as, as God did it in Joseph's life, he does it for you and I as well, that he... Looks for people of great character. Character matters to God. And I hope that character matters to you as well. Secondly, we see that, that uh, Joseph was a man of tremendous obedience. And and obedience matters to God. I, I, I think that Joseph's character and Joseph's obedience went hand-in in hand. The way that God chose to speak to to Joseph was through dreams. And there's many ways that that God still speaks to us today, but for Joseph, it was dreams and dreams only. In fact, the scripture says in Matthew chapter one and Matthew chapter two, that three times God speaks to Joseph in dreams. And each time that God speaks, it just creates more drama into the situation. Every time that God speaks to Joseph, it's not to make his his life more peaceful. It's not to make his life more relaxed. It's not to make his life more enriched in regards to worldly standards. Every time that God speaks, it brings on what I would consider more opportunities for his character to shine. Because God places him in a crucible of great testing. And in a crucible of great testing, if he didn't have godly character, there was no way that he could walk out in obedience what God had asked of him in these dreams. God was not calling him to a comfortable life, but he was calling him to live inside a, a crucible of trial after trial after trial in this man's life. Again, the the gospel writers don't give us any any insight into the fact that he ever had a conversation with the angel of God? If you really took the time to investigate the, the Christmas story, the other two characters that had this, this interaction with angels, uh, Mary and, and Zechariah, they have this ongoing dialogue with the angels. You know, for Mary, Mary, she was pondering the things that the angel was trying to say. She was trying to Figure out what he what he meant by by, by being a virgin and yet having a child. And then you have Zachariah who who was dumbfounded that, that he and his wife Elizabeth at so old of age could actually have a child and they were interacting with the angel, but it never gives us any indication that Joseph ever engaged the angel when he gave him these messages. And I believe that if he did so, I think that the, the gospel writers would have taken the time to indicate what Joseph dialogued with the angels. In other words, when these angels just showed up and began to speak, and speak to him these visions from God, all Joseph did, it seems, was that he listened to what the angel had to say, believed what the angel had to say, and did what the angel asked him to do. So I think this is, this is a great insight Um, for our lives today. If you really want to know the will of God for your life, the first step that you have to take is you have to, to discipline yourself to have a heart that listens for the voice of God. Just listen. Listen for him. God still speaks today. God is not remote. God has not done working amongst his people. God is, God is actively engaged in the lives of millions, of perhaps billions across this planet today, right? This is how God speaks to us. We know that God speaks to us through the scriptures. We know that God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit at work in our conscience. We believe we believe that God still speaks to us through through wisdom and discernment. When we have wisdom in our life, we can we can, we can ascertain what what God's will for us is. Um, he still speaks to us. I believe through dreams. I've had I've had many encounters where I, I really believe that God was speaking to me um, at times in, in my dreams. I've encountered other people that have done the, have experienced the same thing. We know across the Middle East. Uh, where the gospel is not present. Um, there are visions uh, of Jesus appearing in people's dreams and they're coming to faith in him. So God is actively at work on many different levels in regards to how he speaks to, our, uh, to us today. And all we have to do is we just have to train our soul to know how to listen for him. We have to train our souls on, on how to, what does his voice sound like for us? if we don't discipline ourselves to be in his word, if we don't discipline ourselves to practice prayer or to walk in wisdom, then the ability to hear from God very clearly will be hindered in our lives. But when we when we react to his whispers, when we, when we know the word of God and when we, when, we, when we train our heart to say, God, move in my life, and when he begins to move in our life, when he gives us the whispers, the unctions in our heart to do so, and we obey him immediately, then God begins to work in our life. We begin to hear God clearer and clearer and clearer. You see, listening heart obeys God immediately. It's so one those times that the people, when we're hard to hear from God are the times where we just don't practice over and over again this, this ability in our lives to actually know what God wants for us. And the more that we are in Scripture... The more that our hearts are bent towards God in prayer, I believe the more that we will understand the discipline of hearing from him. Go to Matthew chapter two and verse 13 through 15. This is what I love about, about Joseph. We saw it in chapter one. Uh, the angel said, "Go and, Mary, go and, and marry Mary." And what does he do? He goes out and he, without, without haste, he marries Mary. Right? And he does it again in, in chapter 2. He immediately goes and does what the angel tells him to do. In verse 13 it says, Now when they had gone, meaning the magi, the magi had come and, and visited them, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt, he remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. So what had taken place is that, is that more than likely a year had passed by from the, um, from the time that Jesus was born. And Matthew chapter two was a year later. The Magi had come from the, from the Persian area and they had brought these great gifts and uh, gold frankincense and myrrh. And they had stopped by to make a little uh, uh, how you you doing visit with King Herod on their way to see Jesus. And they spoke to Herod about the fact that there was a a king of the Jews born somewhere um, in the Bethlehem region. And and Herod says, hey, you go find out who he is, send me word, and I want to go worship him myself. But but it was all a trap because Herod was so jealous of of this new king that he wanted to kill him. And so he began to plot to kill Jesus. And so and so in the middle of the night, after the Magi had left their gifts and they had gone back to their hometown, the, the angel of God came to Joseph and he warned them, he warned them, danger is at hand, go now. And I love what it says in, in verse 14, it says, while it was still night. In other words, he heard from, he heard from the angel of God and he He went immediately. He packed the donkey. He put the gold and the myrrh and the frankincense and put the baby Jesus and Mary, and maybe they had a few uh, utensils with them and the clothes on their back and on the donkey, and they headed out of town, right? I mean, there was no time for Joseph to say, Now, wait a second, God, I need to know A, B, C, D. You know, where do I go when we go to Egypt? Who's going to meet us? how are we going to live? What are we to do? I mean, none of that's taken place. It was as if God says, go, and Joseph went immediately. You see, for Joseph in that moment, he had a small window of opportunity, and he had to take it, right? I mean, danger was at hand. Uh, Herod had already enacted his plan um, to kill uh, the Savior, and, and time was of great essence, Uh, flee now. And I love that word flee. It literally means he literally packed up and went, more than likely they left things behind. You know, they couldn't pack it on the donkey. It wasn't going with them. No U-Haul back during those days, right? And off they went. There was a sense of urgency behind um, this command of God and, and the sense of urgency you see in his immediate obedience to this directive from God. And and honestly, I think this gives us great, great insight into our own lives as well. There are times that God gives us these windows of opportunity. And if we don't hear his urgent unction within our soul to act upon it, that window of opportunity may close to you and I. Now, that doesn't mean that that God forever and ever and ever will not work in your life. if If you miss that window of opportunity... It just means that he has to recalibrate what he's gonna do in your life. And maybe, maybe when you were not were not ready to take on this, this urgency from him, this desire from him to work in your life, he passes you over for someone else. Oftentimes in our life, when God's at work, he just gives us this, this opportunity that, that may be there in this one moment, but in the next it may be gone. So when God speaks, we have to have this sense of of urgency in our own heart. Urgency that's not dismissive of of wisdom. Urgency that's not dismissive of of going and seeking wise counsel. But there's a sense of urgency that God says, I need you to act in this moment because there's something that you don't understand that's at stake in this window of opportunity that you may not understand is going on here, and I don't want to miss this this opportunity to bless those that, that you may encounter. Is there something that God has placed on your heart this morning? Things you've been toying with, maybe for months, maybe for several years. I don't know what it may be like in your life, but God has put something in your heart that you're just ready for God just to dispense with everything, all the, I'll take all the mystery away, right, and just give it to you. Maybe he, he's put something in your heart for you to do. And it's so strong within your spirit, and right in this very moment, I mean, you just feel this, just this, this heaviness, this desire to, to follow and do what God's told you to do. I guarantee, you there's someone in this room, or maybe that person's listening to us on the iCampus, that God has been speaking to you, and there's a sense of urgency. And if that is the case, I encourage you, I encourage you to act upon it with all haste and see what God is up to, right? God is always up to something, and we ought to follow with a sense of urgency at times. So Joseph flees into an unknown future, and he does so by placing his full trust in the character, right? The character and the providence of God. We talked about how character matters because God has perfect character. And Joseph, when, when Joseph was told to, to flee into Egypt, a land he had never been before, knows nobody in Egypt. Now listen, we know that these, these two, Mary and Joseph were very poor, just eking out a living. I mean, to eke out a living in Bethlehem was hard enough, but, but to become refugees in a, in a nation in which they're foreigners, to a language that's not theirs, to a, to a worldview that is not theirs, to a religion that is not theirs, I mean, to go and try to set up shop somewhere else, it's got to be very, very difficult. And I think this brings up a second point regarding obedience. Not only is there a sense of urgency behind obedience, but a listening heart, trust God when you don't understand everything, right? In verses 19 through 23 in chapter two, Joseph receives the third uh, revelation from God. And this is how it went. Now, when Herod died, stop right there, it has been about a year. So they're, they're in exile for another year. So baby Jesus is one, and they head off to, to Egypt. Baby Jesus turns two, they, they return uh, to Egypt. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother And go into the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea and the place of his father Herod, in other words, Archelaus was just, just as terrible, just as evil as Herod was. He was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream... He left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. And so this is what I think is very fascinating about this passage is that while Joseph didn't understand what, what God was up to, what God was up to was God was fulfilling prophecy. right Prophecy had to be fulfilled in order to, to validate. Who Jesus was and proclaimed himself to be as a Savior of the world, as the Son of God. And so what Joseph didn't understand is that was that his obedience would be reflected for, for, for all, the time, all the time yet to come regarding the prophecy regarding Jesus Himself. But for Joseph, there was a lot of unknowns for him and for Mary alike. Like I said, they were refugees. More than likely, how in the world did they survive for a year in Egypt? Well, well, commentaries say that more than likely, they took the, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. They had tremendous value during that day. They sold it off, and more than likely, they lived off of the proceeds of these great gifts, which I still think that's, a, that's, a, that's another story in itself, fasting on the providence of God and the provision of God beforehand regarding these magi, right? And so, like I said, they're, they're not told where to go, They're not told what awaits them in Egypt. All I know is this, is that it's gotta be hardship upon hardship um, that they face. Up until now, nothing that Joseph has been called to according to God's will and purposes seems to be easy for him, but he does it anyways, right? Um, Sometimes there is this mysteriousness that surrounds the will of God, and I believe that, that this is for our good, right? Um, there, there's, there, in, our, in our rationalizing mind, we want, we want God to spell everything out. We want to know A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We want to know every single step possible. We want to see everything forecasted for us. But more than likely, God operates in our lives in mysterious ways. I believe it's to protect us in many regards. There's things that God has in store for us that if he just laid it out on a platter for us, we would get so freaked out over, Right? We'd be overwhelmed by. And so out of his graciousness, he just gives us one thing, one little piece of one morsel of his, of his larger plan and will for our life. And what he's looking for is he's looking for you and I just to, to look at that, what's been given to us in that moment of revelation and stepping out in faith. And this is how God has operated in my life on a consistent basis. Whenever he speaks and I respond to him in obedience and I take that step of faith, then the next part of that overall vision begins to take place. And then I take another step of faith, another part of that overall vision begins to take place even more. So God operates in our obedience, right? When we listen to God, and we say, God, we, we respond to you with a sense of urgency and we respond to God even when we don't understand the, the full ramifications of what God wants to do in our life. And in that moment, we just say, God, I just trust in your character. I just trust in your providence that you're going to take care of me and you're going to take care of the situation. All I've got to do is just step out in faith and do as you hear. When you demand that God explains everything to you, then we lose our ability to hear from God very clearly. When we put demands on God before we begin to step out in faith, um, we don't really sense and hear from God very directly as we ought to. God doesn't want you to figure everything out. He just wants you to simply trust in him. So in Joseph's life this morning, we realize that God, uh, in, God's, in God's eyes, character matters. For you as a child of God, character ought to matter in your life. We looked at Joseph's life and we see, we've see we seen this all throughout the past several weeks that, that he was an obedient man of God. And even this morning, obedience matters to God because when we obey God, we hear from him. And when we hear from him and we obey him, he... It delights his heart when we trust in his character and his goodness and his providential care for our lives. Obedience matters to God. And I believe that God is is ready to be at work in your life. I really believe that. I don't care who you are in this room. It may be the first stage, maybe salvation, but God wants to work in your life. Maybe there's other steps of obedience you have to take. Maybe God is is calling you away from your job. Maybe God's calling you away from this area. Maybe God's calling you into a new place of ministry in your life. Maybe God's just calling you across the street to to minister to your neighbors, right? Whatever it may be, whatever God is at at work at in your life, have you trained your soul to listen for his voice? And have you trained your, your spiritual feet or maybe your physical feet to actually walk out what God has commanded you to do. God is at work. He's raising up godly men and women, great men and women of great character to do extraordinary things in the midst of our chaos society. But he's also calling men and women to do extraordinary works in his name. And it may be just you who is that man or woman of great faith or that man or woman of maybe weak faith, but you have a listening heart, right? And God raises you to do the unbelievable. May God do that tenfold, a hundredfold in your life in the coming years. May he do that within our church as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the, your, your word of encouragement to us through, through Joseph's example. God, thank you, Lord, for being a God who is always at work. God, you are a God who's active in every way possible. You're active in our lives. You're active in this world. Um, you actively engage um, those with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, you actively, Lord, raise up men and women to go to some very hard places to proclaim your name. Um, you actively, Lord, are at work, raising up men and women to do ministry men and women just to love on other people. You raise up men and women to be in the right place at the right time for the glory of your name. You raise up men and women to be of great character in the workplace. You raise up great men and women to be, to be men and women of great character um, in places in which, Lord, um, there's tremendous darkness. And Father, I, I pray that in this room today that there are men and women, young and old alike, um, that have a heart for you, that have a heart to say yes, Lord, to the plans that you have shaped and fashioned in our heart. And Lord, I, I believe that those plans sometimes are very overwhelming and scary to us because you call, you're call you calling us, Lord, to new places <laughs> that we've never been before. You're calling us to deeper faith that we've never experienced before. You've called us, Lord, to to experience you in ways that we've never seen you before. And Lord, sometimes those are overwhelming to us, Lord. So Father, if that's what some in this room are facing today, I, I pray that, Father, that you would speak into their fears, that you would speak into their to their to those things that that worry them concerning your unknown part of your will. Lord help us to be men and women who walk in great character for your name, but also help us to be men and women who walk in immediate obedience to your word, but also Lord, that we would trust in you as our God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northbridge Church podcast. If you'd like more information about Northbridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.